0: TheCooperageProject.org. And from listeners like you.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to The Local Edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Patricia Robio. I have a special treat for you. This is the Four Favorites Fun Drive. If you log on to Instagram right now, you can see me live. You can see the whole show live. So it's our Four Favorites Fun Drive. Give us a call at 845-482-4141 or donate online at wjffradio.org or text GIVE, G-I-V, to 845-203-3939. It's so the four favorites fun drive. We are in the last hours of the fun drive. It ends on Saturday at noon. So you can help us out. Checking the current wheel. Let's see, how I think we're at 68%. So we're almost there at our goal, when you can help us. In the second half of the show, we'll be talking to Chris Raleigh from the Shawangunk Journal to see what's happening in Ellenville. But first, it's election day. Well, election day is soon upon us. It's going to be this Tuesday election. So, in effort to keep you connected, this election here on Radio Casco and in the local edition, we'll be keeping you connected with the issues and the candidates before you head to the polls in November. Tonight, we'll be talking to Chris Schmidt, congressional district. New York 18 candidate. On the phone with us now is the candidate for the New York 18th Congressional District, Colin Schmidt. Colin, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Access to health care is a key issue here in the New York 18th Congressional District. The pandemic showed us how much communities rely on a stable health care system. We also saw the strain of the pandemic take a toll on both the perennial unfounded public health offices and the for-profit hospitals alike. What is your position on access to health care and health care affordability? Sure. Well, thank you for that question. And as a state assemblyman
2: and a sergeant in the Army National Guard, I've worked hard to ensure that our Hudson Valley families have access to quality health care, uh, particularly during the worst health crisis in history, the, the COVID crisis. In the National Guard, I was activated for a federal COVID 19 relief mission at the very beginning of the pandemic. Uh, before we had it, really any information about what was going on, my uh, unit and I were one of the first to go set up uh, emergency hospitals in New York City and distribute emergency PPE all across the Hudson Valley, uh, upstate New York, uh, emergency medical supplies, you name it. We're on the front lines uh, doing that, and I was honored to do so. In the State Assembly, I voted to protect people with. Uh, pre-existing conditions, and helping ensure we protect and advance frontline healthcare access in our rural communities. I was also very proud to bring Democrats and Republicans together to strengthen and protect our local community pharmacies, enable them to provide some more services to people living, particularly in the rural com- uh, communities that probably are listening to us today, uh, and that I represent. Many times, our local community pharmacies are the frontline of healthcare access for many in our community and medication access. In Congress, I want to focus on the unique challenges facing our rural healthcare systems. I want to make sure, and we're going to ensure with our commitment to America, they're treated fairly by the federal government. Uh, we are going to ensure that we particularly focus on access, access to personalized care, provide affordable options of better quality uh, delivered by trusted doctors, lower prices through transparency, choice, and competition invest in life-saving cures, uh, improve access to telemedicine as well, which is uh, you know, very, very important, very vital, particularly in a, a more rural, upstate areas. Uh, and also, you know, something I want to stress is that we are going to save and strengthen uh, Social Security and Medicare, ensure increased access to Medicare for seniors who are in need, and ensure that, um, particularly for prescription drugs and an advanced uh, health care that they have the access they want to
1: to the doctors they want. For you being in the military, how has that experience been for you? And how has the experience prepared you for being in public office? Sure. Well, I'm in uh, over seven and a half years now. Been honored to serve
2: the New York Army National Guard. It's activated for the federal COVID-19 relief mission. I'm now a sergeant in Camp Smith in northern Westchester. It's uh, It's been an amazing experience. I'm so honored to, have been, to be blessed to serve and to continue to serve. And, and God willing, I will be able to continue to serve for, for many, many years in the National Guard. It, it, it's made me a better leader, particularly when we deal with uh, crisis situations in our community. When the COVID crisis happened, to be activated and also be serving in the Assembly at the same time. Ah, uh, when we've dealt with other natural disasters, when we've dealt with difficult circumstances in the community, to be able to bring together different levels of government to coordinate uh, responses, whether it be in real time or legislatively, and, and work through problems, uh, it, it's been very helpful. And especially leading staff and leading uh, our our team and making sure that we're providing the best possible constituent services to the my current constituents in the Assembly and. And uh, if I'm blessed to earn everybody's vote in uh, in Congress and making sure we have a responsive team, the military gives that uh, gives that training better than any public or private sector experience that I've had to be able to to lead great men and women to do amazing things for constituents. And I think that's something you know, too. That the the other piece is resiliency training that we get in the military to to overcome any obstacle. And that's something that I tried to pass along to my civilian staff that work with me in the government office or our campaign staff is is that resiliency training is to be able to to stay focused to overcome setbacks and know that um you know no matter what the obstacle we can achieve success help pass legislation help a constituent when it seems like there might be a difficult roadblock no matter what it is if we stay resilient and focused we can achieve we can achieve anything and uh, all those pieces kind of come together, and is the type of leadership i like to to share with others, particularly as I train younger staff and new staff that help our community.
1: The opioid crisis has affected many lives here in our listening area. How can we turn the tide on this crisis and help those in the throes of addiction
2: sure it's it's a major issue uh, we been dealing with for years, and it's spiked now during COVID and as we emerge from COVID. We have the fentanyl crisis in my congressional district, in the New York 18th District, Orange, Ulster, and Dutchess counties. The leading cause of death for 18 to 45-year-olds in those counties is fentanyl. And it's it's unacceptable that this poison uh, continues to to kill our youth and, and many in our communities. So uh, I view it from a multi-pronged approach. You need to have the uh, the law enforcement aspect. You need to have the treatment a- um, aspect, the prevention aspect, and um, the targeting at the source aspect. So, one, the illicit fentanyl that comes into our communities crosses uh, our southern border of Mexico uh, and then is basically pipelined right up to our communities in my congressional district. So we have to secure the southern border and stop the flow of Illicit fentanyl that's coming over the border, that's coming into communities. That's step one. We also need to ensure that law enforcement has the tools to target those who are peddling this this fentanyl. A lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of the law enforcement officers I talked to in agencies and the district attorney um, really would like additional tools to be able to punish those peddling this poison. So the commitment to America, we are focused on increasing the ability to punish those who are peddling this poison. And then just last week, I was with the Alcohol and Drug Abuse Council, with the District Attorney Dave Hoover, County Executive Steve Newhouse, and some of my state partners for Red Red Ribbon Week and talking about not just, uh, you know, the the law enforcement end, but the prevention and the recovery end. And I fought for more funding at the statewide level, particularly for our recovery uh, agencies, and we also need not need not to forget, a lot of people forget the prevention aspect and the great work that uh, counselors and experts are doing going to schools and going out to communities trying to prevent um, an addiction from starting, trying to raise awareness. So ensuring we have the proper funding, particularly in upstate and rural communities, uh, from the state level, something I worked on at the federal level, we need to ensure that funding is there and those resources are there on both prevention and recovery.
1: When the voters go to the polls on November 8th, why should they vote for you over your opponent? Sure, well, I'd
2: certainly be honored to have everybody's vote on November 8th or early voting, whichever somebody prefers. I'm proud of my proven bipartisan track record in the state assembly of delivering real results for our Hudson Valley communities. And I would like to continue that track record at the next level in Washington, D.C. I think now more than ever, we need to have checks and balances in Washington. From the State House to the White House, we're under one-party control. I believe a government that works best for the people is one there. There has to be negotiation. There has to be compromise. Both sides have to sit down at the table and, and work things out for the betterment of everybody. And by winning this seat and flipping the House majority, that's what we'll achieve. We'll achieve checks and balances and we'll have a government that will have to compromise, that will have to work together, and that's what's best for the Hudson Valley. That's just best for New York and best for our country when I mean, we all have to work together on those things we agree on.
1: We are talking to the congressional candidate for the New York 18th district, Colin Schmidt. Colin, thank you so much for joining us on the local edition and good luck on November 8th.
2: Yes, no, thank you. I appreciate your time and certainly would appreciate everybody's vote. And I hope everyone has a great day.
1: Thank you so much for that. Colin Smith, he's the Congressional District New York 18 candidate. He just joined us on the local edition. I'm going over to my Instagram to change the photo because I'm sharing a photo right now. Stop sharing. There we go. Yes, you can find us on Instagram Live. You can see behind the scenes how the show is happening. I'm your host, Patricia Robayo, I'm joined in the studio with Jason Dole. Program Director for WJFF. And it's the four favorites fun drive. So give us a call at 845-482-4141 or donate online at wjffradio.org.
0: It's wjffradio.org. wjffradio.org. Click Donate Now. We uh, have been trying to make this challenge all afternoon. This is the challenge that will probably be taking us right up until the fun drive ends tomorrow. Tomorrow at noon. We make this challenge. It's a three thousand five hundred dollars super challenge here at the end of the fun drive. We're in the final hours of the fun drive. We need to raise everything that we can by noon tomorrow. If, if somebody's listening and you have a very large amount that you're able to donate, please donate it now. If we're able to make this challenge before tomorrow, we'll be able to raise more money tomorrow. Um, before. The fun drive ends as it is. Give whatever you can, whatever the amount is, large or small. Every donation means a lot to every person that gives one. Whatever you can give will help us with this challenge. Give now. 845-482-4141. That's 845-482-4141. Or go
1: to org. Right. If you support local journalism that you have here on the local edition, and you're enjoying the, the interviews that we have with the candidates, then, you know, call us 845 482 Let us know or donate online at wjffradio.org. If you missed the, all our previous interviews with the candidates, you could can find us online, find those interviews online at wjffradio.org. We have an election page. And we have election night special that's coming up this Tuesday, Jason. I think right. we'll have
0: another candidate interview yes, on yes, Monday. Monday. Actually, we'll have uh, Jen Metzger is one of the candidates running for it to be the Ulster County executive yes. against uh, 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 Jim Quigley. Uh, that'll be Monday. But yes, on Tuesday, we'll have an extended version of the local edition starting at 6.30 and going until national election coverage starts at 8 from NPR. Yeah. That national coverage will go to 1 a.m. and we'll check in a few times in the late night uh, with local results as we get them, knockwood, hopefully. And Patricio, at this point, we're looking at we're probably going to have extended special news coverage yeah. the next day from NPR, probably like in place of... Uh, Today, the morning and midday programs, depending on what happens, we're, we're expecting there to be a lot of news.
1: Expecting to be a lot of news and when I hear it, it, might not be cold. Yeah, there probably yeah. still
0: be some uncertainty, and that's what we're anticipating. That's what right. NPR is anticipating because they're going to make additional news programs available right. to us as we uh, head into the post-election yes. hours. So. We're, we've got a lot of work to do here one way or the other, and the fun drive is just part of that. Patricio Rabayo is here every week uh, doing so much behind the scenes that you never know about. Keeping the local edition going, keeping uh, the guests on the air, and keeping you informed. Support this program while Patricio is here. Let us know. Let him know that you appreciate what he does. Give now dot WJFFradio.org.
1: Yes. Call Call us at eight four five four eight two. 4141, or donate online at wjffradio.org, or text GIVE GIV, to 845-203-3939. So to give one quick preview for that election night, we're we'll going to be talking to, from 6.30 to 8 o'clock, we'll be talking to some uh, some reporters, we got lined up, Times Union, uh, we got talking to the Schwancock Journal, we'll be talking to the Democrat, we'll be talking to the River Reporter, and we'll be checking in live at some of the watch parties that are into the governor's races. We'll be checking in with the Zeldin party, and we'll be checking in with the Hochul party. Okay. We will have reporters there from other public radio stations that are going to help us out and be calling in and let us know what's happening at the scene there.
0: Absolutely. That's great. Um, again, it only happens because listeners like you keep this radio station going so we can keep listeners like you informed. Again, if you have not not given yet this Fun Drive, we need to hear from you in the final hours of our Fall Favorites fund Drive. Help us make this giant challenge. Call now, 845 845- Donate at wjffradio.org.
1: Yes, give us a call at 845-482-4141. Support comes from Jeff Bank, Sullivan
0: County's community bank for over 100 years. Meeting banking needs with a variety of deposit and loan products. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. National Mortgage Licensing System and Registry Identification Number 405318. Jeff Bank, still banking strong. From Livingston Manor, dining, shopping, and the arts at the gateway to the Catskill Park, LivingstonManorNY.com. And from listeners like you.
1: I'm Jason Tuga, host of The Mixtape here on WJFF Radio Catskill. Tonight, in a special two hour episode from 7 to 9 p.m., we'll be throwing a dance party on the mixtape to celebrate WJFF's Fall Fun Drive. To make a donation, call 845 482 4141 or go to WJFFradio.org. Tune in and dance. Hello, 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 and welcome back to The Local Edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Patricia Robbio and I'm live on the radio and also live on Instagram. Come check us out. Well, it's Friday on The Local Edition, and every other Friday we check in with the one and only Chris Rowley from the Shawanacook Journal. He's on the phone with us now to let us know what's happening in Ulster County and in Ellenville. Chris, welcome to the show. I know there's things happening with the Cresco Labs. Is that correct?
3: Cresco Labs Day, as I'm calling it, which was Thursday, October the 27th, um, a special day for Aluminum and as the one-time uh, aluminum smelter at uh, 9 Aluminum Drive, just off Route nine, was officially repurposed. And we had uh, county executives and congressmen and uh you know, all, all 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 the local great and the good came out for this, and um, you know, it 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 doesn't. It, I don't know if you've driven past it, but but if you do and you look over to the right on two hundred nine, you'll see it's way down the far end. It doesn't look like anything much, but when you're going into it, it's big. <laughs> it's a big building, and uh, it was empty the last time there was any. Um, Aluminum, as you call it here, uh, smelted in there it was like 2004, 2003, and then it was empty for a long, long time. All the equipment taken out, and it was repurposed as the Cora Components uh, factory, where they pressed um, uh, house house and trusses together. And now it's going to grow cannabis. It's it's a uh, it's it's an interesting kind of turn of the. You know, t- turn of the wheel. You know, the things that come around, and uh, you know, a large group of officials and notables and local media were there. It, it, it was just a very interesting moment uh, because you know the 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 change in the approach to cannabis. Uh, you know, in New York State and increasingly across the country. Uh, you know, is is the beginning of something which will t- slightly change the whole society. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be a, a little accommodation to something that's, you know, a minority interest. I don't I don't think that the majority of people will ever be cannabis consumers, but that the the minority, twenty five thirty percent, will, and you know that will become yeah. another fabric, another thread in the in the bright fabric of our society. However, one one thing I, I do know is I did see that uh, in Colorado or Washington, one of the states that quite where it's been legal for longer or longest, the the amount of domestic violence continues to fall. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting aspect because people aren't drinking as much alcohol.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, statistic that you have there. And we talked about this in the past that I think once cannabis has been fully sort of part of the... Uh, common everyday life much like alcohol is now in some aspects uh you know you know uh, that saying uh this five o'clock somewhere uh, you know sort of gives you excuse to drink at any time and just like uh you know uh, having a glass of wine uh at night before you go to bed or or after you know a hard day at work or something like that uh come home you buy a a beer or a case of beer you know the I think the tide would turn that you know you go home and and pick up a couple pick up a joint or pick up an edible or, or a tea or something like that. It becomes you know part of our fabric of life and and I think that will take away the stigma.
3: I think that's right. Yeah. Or, or uh, you know uh, you you get out of work and uh, you know get home and you take uh, some tea. You know I mean uh, cannabis can be can be absorbed in a number of different ways, yeah. and I think uh, beverages is probably going to be a, a pretty uh, effective way or you know if you've got longer for, for to to do it you can do the edibles um but they take you know that they'll, they'll take several hours you know so you know you've got to be prepared for that yeah i i, I think it's all going to develop into its own thing and uh, you know uh, the, the the first new york state harvest has been has been taken in um now uh, those farmers who've grown as much as a, a ton uh, you know, a piece uh, of 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 quality cannabis are waiting to be told what the hell they can do with it. <laughs> I mean, they have to worry because, you know, it's very valuable in, in, in the illegal channel and uh, it's sitting out in their barns, right? You know, so can you please get on with it so <laughs> they can do something with
1: it? <laughs> And these products do have a shelf life. It's not like you can uh, store them for extended periods of time, and and they will have the same potency as they were just picked fresh or something like that.
3: Oh, there is. Yes, they do decay. Yes, there's no question. Uh, even edibles will, won't be as as uh, as good, you know, uh, after a while. So yeah, yeah, it, it it needs to be moved to market, and you know, the next crop planted, and all all these things have to get keep keep going. It's a uh, you know just as it is with with wine and beer and everything else you know you, you, there's a constant cycle and everything is to be you know um, not only produced but also shipped out to retail outlets but anyway, Cresco Day for elville was washing october twenty seventh um it was it was really a, and and as it was going on in the in the smaller building because uh, it will be compared to what they're building going to build uh one looked over to the Uh, And it's a little sad, but we looked over to the sort of forest that's grown up through the cracks on the concrete slab where Channel Master's factory was and then Schrade Knife took over. You know, there was a factory there for, I don't know, 50 years. And and then it was taken away, removed, and the slab's been empty for a while. And now it's got trees that are, you know, 20 feet high (laughs) all over it, Uh right? And, of course, they're doomed. And, you know, one feels, oh, what a pity. But (laughs) it's what happened. Anyway, and there's going to be a very large uh, facility built there um, starting pretty soon. So, um, um, you know, it's uh, it's a a serious change. And for Ellenville Warborsing, it does mean jobs. It means a real shot in the arm, economics. uh, You know, it, it, it will be... It, it, it will help to uh, put a gloss of prosperity on everything, but it's also going to put an a a, even more severe strain on our housing market. And I'm hoping um, that somewhere in near Sullivan County or somewhere in Ulster County, or possibly Orange, although house price, land prices down there are pretty high, someone is going to start to build apartments you know or, or you know or else some trailer parks i mean there's got to be some you know you know um affordable a, a terrible word workforce is a better word housing for a lot of people who are going to be coming here to do these jobs and
1: uh i mean i don't see uh uh saying affordable homes is is sort of a bad thing personally uh i mean i mean i don't know much about the connotation, what that brings, but you know, things are not affordable in some areas. You had homes that were maybe you know, you know, hypothetically priced for 150 hundred thousand dollars, and just jump up another hundred thousand. And it seems like there, are so many, because so many people wanted to move to our area because of the pandemic. It's sort of been a sort of seller's market and great for the real realtors in this area, which is fantastic. People are moving up here. Uh, but those who sort of are in sort of the middle class are sort of, I feel, are getting sort of pushed out. And some of the articles I read recently, uh because the homes are just so high priced. And now they had the feds raise their uh, mortgage rates to 7%, 7.5%. And it's how can you afford that? And how can you afford? You you might be buying more home than the actual home is worth, and then the market will crash, and now you're stuck with a home that you will never make your your money back, in as if if an investment or equity in it, because the house is just not worth what you paid for, and it's just sad that this sort of reading articles about people who want to start a, get a new home and and, and uh, are their dreams of dash because of this this climate that we have now.
3: Well, that will be interesting. Uh you know uh, uh you know I, I as probably uh, you know, the listeners know I cover uh the planning board in Walsalling. I've covered a lot of other planning boards. Um we 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 uh try to pay attention to uh, all of those in our district and we're always looking to see what comes in and what people are hoping to build. Um not seeing a lot of activity uh, at that end of the market to produce aff- affordable or apartments. Um, it's got to come. Uh, I think it will happen. Maybe it will take some um, financial encouragement from above, uh, you know, but that, that may depend on, um, you know, whether uh, Governor Hotel uh, fends off um, uh, Lee Zeldin and retains the uh, governorship. Um, I think she's more likely to be uh, open to that kind of interference in the market. But, you know, uh, it's going to be something so that uh, we can get some apartment buildings built, uh, you know, because that's that's the essential thing. Um, And, uh, you know, it is is an issue that many people don't want them. You know, a, a lot of people move here or moved here some time ago. Uh, for the quiet, the country, the rural, they don't want to see it changed and turn into something that's more slightly suburban. You know, uh, that's 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 what they avoided. That's what they they jumped out from the city or from the suburbs to here because they didn't want that. They they wanted the more rural thing, the quiet, the life of whatever. Um, but um, you know uh, the the little municipalities they need the income from mortgage uh, taxes. They the the economies local economies need young people. Uh, if if it's just going to be a, a a residential community of old people, it's going to struggle to pay for anything eventually. You know, I mean, and and so we've got to have young people, and young people can't, as you just said. Uh, facing the highest prices, uh, a, high, a sudden jump up in the mortgage rate very difficult thing to, to do even even if they get assistance from middle class parents to help them but as you know if if the property went from one hundred and ten one hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred two hundred and fifty three hundred grand, well that may not be affordable, you know, not even for middle class parents helping these kids you know um, so you know we 're going to have jobs coming here, we have to have homes. And you know, we have to hope that uh, the mar the market will find a way to um, deliver that. Yeah. It usually will, but it unfortunately it will, but it will require a strong signal, such as uh, much higher wages. <laughs> uh, you know, at the higher price will will send out a signal. That signal must be absorbed. Already, I bet you there are guys and ladies who are, you know, working with their spreadsheets on, you know, h- how to take some property in Ulster or Sullivan, convert it to, you know, a couple of hundred homes. I mean, that, that I'm sure that's happening now.
1: Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on The Local Edition again and letting us know what's happening in Ulster County and Elville. all the good things. Chris, we'll talk to you again in two weeks.
3: Okay, man. You take care, I- man.
1: And that does it for The Local Edition. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks to Barbara in New York City for donating online. Coming up is the mixtape.